0: look at that that's how i turn on the microphones welcome back me hey it's the true wealth radio show it's your favorite tuesday you've had all week and i am so stoked to be back in studio katie
1: i'm happy to have you back because let me tell you i do not like sitting in your seat because i forget to push buttons
0: oh come on it's like being the pilot you get to do all
1: the knobs and the flashy lights it's great no it's like making a 14 year old your pilot okay no experience. They just don't <laughs> It doesn't work well. I realized so there's this funny thing where there's funny a couple... thing.
0: This board by the way is way less sophisticated than operating the system at a nightclub. <laughs> Just saying. Really? Oh yeah, there were a lot more buttons and switches. <laughs> were back oh man, in the day. I would have sucked
1: at that too. Oh the,
0: yeah. And we had a fog machine.
1: Oh, forget that then. Yeah. So you can't see, right? The music's too loud, and then you have all these buttons. Sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yep. I accidentally left the buttons on, and so during the podcast, you can hear Justin and I having a conversation. Luckily we didn't say anything dumb, but like it had to be retweeted. <laughs> and then I looked down and I went, oh no, I love the buttons on it's there's a lot of moving parts, by the way. I greatly appreciate everything that you do to make my world go round. <laughs> I wanna say oh, that the on feeling the record. Is mutual.
0: <laughs> feeling is mutual. It's funny how when you get thrown out of a routine <laughs> this is by the way, this is gonna be totally relevant to today's show. If you're wondering like what are they talking about? Not just an intro. You'll see. So it's amazing that you get into routines and you get into things, and then when something changes, it just throws everything off, right? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, if you don't believe me, try this one, right? Move the trash can in your kitchen.
1: Oh no, I got I got one better for you. Anytime. so Thomas and I. This is oh my gosh, nine years ago now. We bought our house in 2012. We, a lot of times when you have these moments, how much how much did you and Heather discuss where the dishes would go in the house? Oh, we discussed
0: it a ton. She said, I'm putting them here. And I said, (laughs) I would like them over there. And she said, no, they go here.
1: (laughs) Okay. I say that lovingly, actually.
0: Uh, So we we
1: had a similar conversation. It was
0: discussion. It was like, (laughs) I put them there. I said, I, okay. (laughs) <laughs> that's how it
1: went. <laughs> so Thomas and I still to this day do not agree where they go because to me I put them where like if you were unloading the dishwasher I, where it's convenient I to reach based on you unloading the dishwasher right. Yep. Yep. And so we don't agree necessarily because
0: Heather likes to put things in stations where they have like so you her baking station. I kind of do that too. That station. I understand that. Uh, but uh, the one that used to throw me off is because we at the time our youngest was like three so where her plates and cups and stuff were was on a lower shelf but it was the lower shelf that was the farthest point from the dishwasher possible (laughs) and she goes through the most dishes and i'm like you know she doesn't put them away she just takes them out and so and it my wife was not wrong it was the right place for her to go because she's like well when she's done then what are we going to do rearrange the whole kitchen again i'm like Okay, point Heather. Whatever, but you know, I was still like, but I have to unload the
1: dishes. But you did the smart thing, right? The kid drawer. Like I had the kid drawer too. It was the bottom drawer in the it middle the of the island thing. where it's like, this is the drawer you can reach, and these are where your all plastic utensils are, and I don't have to worry about you breaking anything. You can yeah. just have at it, right? And if you make a mess, I don't care because they're plastic. We can throw them all back in. But, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because you don't always agree, right? Like, it's, it's, you get thrown out of whack. And so, my husband, when does we moved this into our... to the
0: trash can, that's, that's where I'm waiting. So, to bring when it back. we
1: moved into our house, my husband put the dishes away and I went to go get something and I went, no, that's not where they go. And I took them out and I put them in a different drawer. And, and the then he came and he went, that's not where they go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 because we both have very strong opinions about things. Although Truth. I Yes. <laughs> hashtag
0: true story to the end of time. I
1: I may be louder than my husband, and he will admit that fact. He is a very soft-spoken man, but that does not mean that he does not have a firm opinion on things.
0: Yeah, I would say in a tug of war, though, he may still win.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, he does. It is funny though. There is there is the the default person of the house, right? It's like at one point, one person in the relationship de- just knows that they have to default to the other person, like it's their domain somehow.
0: You know, it, that is really true about certain things. And I, I don't even know how the roles get assigned, but I watch it happen. So They don't. Uh, One I mean, person
1: it, admittedly gives up easily on something in the beginning and then forevermore. And never you... gets it
0: back. Yes. <laughs> That's it's like, exactly okay, you punted. <laughs> That's what you get. <laughs> so it's like, say, like, how do I reclaim this p- position? It's like, well, you're going to have to burn the house down. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, like we're, we're going to have
1: to start over. But but see, the balance of power is already there, though. I don't know. Even if you started over in a new house, did it change when you moved? Hmm. No, it <laughs> did. not Let's be honest. It didn't change. So. No. See, you lost the balance of power somewhere in the very early on. You gave in. Heather said, I'm going to do this. And you it sure, sounds like a great idea, honey. And forevermore sealed your fate. <laughs> yeah. We're joking, by the way. We love our spouses very no, much, there's and no I'm
0: question. There's no question. Pretty
1: I, sure they defer to us quite a bit on a, a lot of things
0: too. Here it'd be like,
1: oh, huh, love,
0: huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> February's over. What are you talking about? I don't have uh, to do this until <laughs> Valentine's Day next year. Exactly. So, look, let me kind
0: of use this for a minute. As I we're love talking it. Talking about the here's one of the things that's interesting, right? When you talk about balance of power. Balance of power, there's, there's, some of this can be practical or pragmatic, right? Uh, There's some division of labor that naturally occurs in our home uh, between Heather and I because it's just the natural domain of each other to sort of step in and take that. But then there are other scenarios where it's not as predefined and then you have to sort it out, right? Negotiate. You negotiate your
1: roles. <laughs> Let's be honest; they're negotiations.
0: There are, and because sometimes the roles are interesting. Like sometimes it's not the role you want; it's the role you
1: get. And sometimes they're not gender specific, or they're opposite of your gender roles. Sure, uh, sure. Well,
0: I, I mean, I I wasn't even going to go there just because I'm waiting for that to turn into a whole no chiasco, no no. It, but, okay,
1: fine. Let's. B- that's why I said was, negotiate. But, but the whole
0: por- point is that the pragmatic stuff just kind of makes sense because it's practical the stuff that doesn't fall into that though can become pretty emotional at times you got to give me some for examples (coughs) excuse me so the emotional the 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 point more is who wants something well the the want or the not want and then the why i'd rather somebody else do it and then well then it becomes a bargaining and you know it, it can cascade right my where I'm, I'll just be very blunt with everybody listening. It's I'm not trying to draw this into relationship. I'm trying to get us to focus for a moment on the emotion as the key. Okay. The issue is that when we start to inject emotion into the decision process, okay, then it can throw things out of whack and it can create a lot of skew in the way you view something. Right. Okay. And here's, here's where, what I want to talk about today. Because this is a theme that I'm hearing a lot in the stock market, and I'm hearing it a lot from investors, and I'm hearing it enough that it's a little bit of a warning alarm to me that we need to talk about this, right? And we need to talk about it calmly and rationally, not yelling and throwing shoes at each other.
1: I like throwing shoes.
0: Okay, but you're not particularly rational when you're throwing shoes.
1: True. Okay, so.
0: <laughs> or glass or <laughs> plates or whatever. <laughs> now, now, if you're throwing a football, maybe, right? Maybe you're like, ah, you know, we're just having fun. All right, here's the thing. And this is what we need to spend some time unpacking today. Emotional decisions can be very, very compromising. And this is oftentimes no truer than when it comes to investing. In fact, I would wager that emotions are one of the fastest ways to separate people from their money. True. Okay? So if that is the case, that your emotions are often highly effective at separating you from your money, we need to talk about what do we do? How do you create a system or a process or something that can protect you from yourself?
1: Yeah. And maybe you don't even know that you need
0: protecting. Oh, maybe not. But that's what today we're going to talk about. As investors, how do you protect yourself from yourself? How do you recognize emotions and what are things that we can do to unpack them? And you're not going to turn them off, right? You're not going to turn the emotions off. But how can we work within parameters so that the emotions are less successful at creating bad decisions i like that all right so stick around because when we come back i'm gonna unpack a bunch of this right we're gonna talk about where people like like some of the big fears out there some of the mistakes a lot of the stuff and how to address them but we got to take our first break stick around we'll be right back this is dave littlejohn and katie shuck you're listening to true wealth a news radio
1: 1240 KQEN. kqn
0: Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. This is your host, Dave Littlejohn, in studio, joining me as mostly...
1: Katie Shook. I know, you have to find a sub next week. I
0: know, because... My turn.
1: <laughs> see, I never
0: announce that I'm gone until after I'm back.
1: No, I just tell everybody that you're gone. No,
0: <laughs> It's true. Like, why is he not on the show? Oh, he's gallivanting. So, did you explain where I went? No. Okay. I left
1: it as a mystery. Mystery,
0: right. So... uh the family and i that you know talk true wealth moments right it's the true wealth show so what did we do well first of all uh, for we've moved into a new home over two years ago and we had intended to remodel the kitchen okay this is a true wealth confession also right and we didn't get to remodel the kitchen when we moved in because there was a bathroom episode where we didn't know about a plumbing problem and whoever owned the home before us I don't know why this happened, but there was carpet in the bathroom, which is a terrible <laughs> idea. And if you are thinking about that, I am just, just don't. I'm like, <laughs> just don't. You're going to have to never think that again. Just let that go. And okay? not
1: just carpet, white
0: carpet, white carpet, wall to wall, bathtubs, the toilet, everything. Well, you know, it was not nastiness that was creating a spill, fortunately, but something was running and it was overflowing and we didn't know and for three days while we were moving into the house one day i walked into the bathroom and you know i want to keep everything clean so i got my shoes off i'm wearing my socks and i go squish
1: ew yeah and it became
0: like damage control and we had just moved in so basically the entire master bed bathroom came out as we moved in and all of that kitchen remodel finances went bye-bye bye-bye So, we had to save our pennies up for a while in order to do the kitchen remodel. And it finally. You mean you
1: didn't just finance the heck out of it? We
0: did not. We did not. I'm sorry, but I do eat my own cooking. Ah, I love it. So, even if it's burnt sausage. We do not spend money (laughs) that we do not have. So, that is one of those deals. And we're in the middle of doing the kitchen remodel right now. Right. So it's two and a half years later, and um, there was white carpet everywhere. Well, it came out of the bathroom because it had to, but we were not in a position to take it out everywhere. Well, you can imagine a house full of children and all white carpet all over the place. And a dog. Yeah. So anyway, the white carpet is bye-bye, and we've been you know putting in new flooring, and this process takes time. And it's no fun to live in remodel land, so we took a trip, and we took a motorhome, and we went on a fun journey with the kids because of COVID and being the school that what it is. We were able to do road school, so they continued their education, and away we went. And had a fun tour, got to do uh, some skiing in a few areas, saw some beautiful areas of the country. i got to tell you, Utah, lots of canyons. I've never really driven Utah before. That's really something.
1: I kept telling David, send us pictures, send us pictures. Everybody's like, oh, how pretty. It was, yeah, for yeah, the didn't, few that I you didn't sent. send many
0: pictures. Well, you know, I was really trying to be present with what was going on there. So thank you for holding the fort down. I'm glad that you and Justin were able to, you know, substitute in and pinch hit for us. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we'll try this again next week, and then we will have to carry the show without Katie.
1: Oh, oh my gosh, I know. So hard.
0: So we'll, <laughs> but we'll soldier on. It's what we do because you, our listeners, are loyal and we would not let you down.
1: Oh, and I will know because I will be listening.
0: <clears throat> I
1: will be listening. <laughs> Probably with app. some
0: kind of uh, cocktail in a, you know, in the sun. I
1: sure as heck hope so. <laughs> Good
0: stuff. So let's get back to the topic at hand today. I kind of the the first segment we teased a little bit about it we had some fun but the reality is this is something really important to me and this is something that i'm going to tell you right now i believe that this is one of the primary differences between professionals and amateurs okay okay and i'm talking about investors professional investors versus amateurs okay and also the difference between convicted or not convicted like Like felon, not convicted like felon. Conviction as in somebody that's convicted in their investments versus somebody that is not secure or comfortable with their investments, which then I question. Are So so think of it this way. When it comes to investments, are you an owner or a renter? Just just keep that in the back of your mind for a minute. Because all of that starts to cascade into a framework. And I want to talk about your emotional framework as an investor.
1: Now, does that mean that stock, um, that financial advisors or stockbrokers aren't emotional?
0: It certainly does not mean that.
1: Right. right? Like, I mean, there's moments. I suffer
0: from the same emotions that everybody else does, truly. But there is a difference. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe that a firefighter is emotional?
1: I don't know. My, I mean, I'm assuming they would I, have do, some mean, kind think, of emotional response. Do you response? think
0: firefighters are afraid when they run into a burning building? I hope so, because if you're afraid, then you'd be alert. Yeah, it's. I think it's a natural instinct to still be, uh, to, to have a certain element of fear and respect for what's going on. Does it stop them from doing the job? No. No. So what, And I don't want it to. Well, what's the difference between a person fleeing from danger versus a person running to it?
1: Training. Training. And we've talked about this on the show. I mean, I'm glad we're bringing this up again. This is one of the things that even though we've covered topics before, doesn't mean that you've listened to it before. And
0: this one is particularly relevant, and I'll get to it a little later here. I'm going to bring up why, because I'm hearing this so frequently in the marketplace. Uh, And... Well, and what's there's been
1: research that has talked about logic versus emotion yeah. and how that well, reacts and, you know, in your brain. A few brain. years ago, I
0: gave a TED talk on this. Uh, this is something that's important to me. And there's a whole field of study around behavioral finance. Right. Okay? And that's really what's driving a lot of this. Behavioral finance is the study of decision making. In particular, this is my fun phraseology, right? For human beings, what, what, what is right and what is normal are not always the same thing.
1: True. (laughs) Okay.
0: What is right and what is normal? When I say what is right, I mean, what is the correct thing to do versus what is the normal thing to do? Oh,
1: why don't we say what is right and what is trending is not the normal. Because sometimes there's things that are trending and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's great. And you're like, hmm, are you sure?
0: Well, I'm going to go with that's a different frame up. Okay, we can address that, too. But when I say what is right and what is normal, those have to do with things that we fool ourselves into doing with our money okay and that's not about a trend that's about mistakes that are really common because we rationalize the mistake because we've seen it all the time it's not true but the mistake is generally accepted like most people believe it to be true like what that sounds okay I'm, you want to play this game yeah we i want to know this will be fun okay so uh do you ever gamble yes okay so what's your game of choice blackjack Okay, so let's say you're playing blackjack, and you sit down at the table. And what are you wagering? I usually do the minimums. Okay, so let's say it's a ten dollar wager. Perfect. Yeah, right which is kind it's of the, the Vegas minimums. I think you get twenty five. Here. <laughs> no, depends not. on which tables. Yeah, it depends on which casinos. But right now they're lower because nobody's there. Like, please, just anybody. Yeah, some, but, some play. Um uh, anyhow, so, okay, so ten dollars so a ten dollar bet, and you win on the first hand. Okay. Okay, so. You take half the money and put it in your pocket and you keep gambling. Okay. Why? Because I want to reclaim, I want to keep my winnings. Okay. You play the next hand and you lose. Okay. Okay. So did you win or lose? Well, I lost that hand. You lost that hand. So are you a winner or a loser? I'm even. Okay. And so you're not, you're down $10. This is the common mistake, right?
1: But I have $10 in my
0: pocket. Yes, you do. But that's the issue, right, is that you have just demonstrated anchoring bias. You've anchored to the part you started with. I started with $10 and doubled it out of the gate, and then I lost half my money. But because I started with $10, I don't mind losing half my money because I lost the money that the house gave me. So I only lost the house's money, not mine.
1: Ah. Okay.
0: No, it was your money. You could have walked away and you'd had twenty dollars. True. You placed a new bet and lost, and you were right back where you started. And what you said is, I was anchored to my starting point, so I can rationalize that I didn't really lose. No, you did. True. Because you could have walked with the money. It's yours once you won. But that's a that's an example of what somebody does normally. Right. It's normal. It's not right, but it's normal. <laughs> and that's how investors do this a lot is anchoring bias is really dangerous. Have we on this show? Like, let me give you an example for all of you as investors. Let me tell you about the sale proof stock or the sale proof mutual fund, the sale proof investment.
1: Oh, my gosh. OK, I think I know where you're going with this, but
0: I'm going to wait and hear it. OK, Okay. so you buy an investment, you spend
1: Keep five thousand
0: dollars. All right. Let's make it easy. Ten thousand dollars. OK. And it collapses. Oh no! Right? So your ten thousand dollars is now worth two thousand dollars. Oh, that's eighty sucks. percent collapse. Okay. But uh, some really good news comes out, and you're saying, you know what? I think it's going to be better. They fire the CEO. They found out all that was going on, and they're on. And then it starts growing again. Okay. And it goes back up to three thousand, and then four thousand, and then five thousand. And then you spend several years at five thousand dollars. You're just okay. holding it, and it's just at five thousand dollars. Now I ask you, is it a good investment or not?
1: Doesn't sound like it.
0: No, I, The answer is totally it depends, right? But here's, here's the thing. Will somebody sell it? And I say, you know, I'll say to an investor that's owned something for a while, hey, you know, we should get rid of this thing. And they go, as once I get it back to ten thousand dollars, I'll sell it. Right,
1: but then okay. when it gets back to ten thousand dollars, they don't want to sell it because now it's on the rise.
0: That's the issue, right? Hey, I had ten thousand dollars. I lost money, but it started recovering, so I waited it out, and it got back to ten thousand dollars. And then once it's at the ten thousand again, they go, well, now I made my money back, and it's growing again. It's gone from ten thousand yeah, sure, to eleven thousand. I should just keep it, right? Okay, it's a sale-proof stock. When it's down, you don't want to sell it because you bought it higher. And when it's going up, you don't want to sell it because it's going up.
1: Right, so it's like you're never going to get rid of it.
0: Yeah, so what happens is these are where your emotions sneak in in ways you didn't even realize were emotions, right? It's normal, but it's not Right. right.
1: Well, and I was thinking when you said, well, you know, it's been at 5000 for a few years. I'm thinking, is there something else that I could have been investing in that would have made it grow faster Certainly. and get me my 10000 back?
0: Opportunity cost is huge. What about tax implications? Right. right.
1: Depending on the type of account.
0: Right. So there are lots of considerations at play here. Now, what the professional needs to do is they need to divorce themselves from the emotion. How do you decide whether or not to own your investments? whether or not they're performing yeah well it's based on your belief in the future right okay so you decide whether or not you buy an investment or whether or not you own an investment not by what you bought it for but what you believe it will be worth in the future and this is where people miss the boat they get caught up in the auction marketplace and that's not thinking like an investor that's thinking like a trader right right how many people are gonna bid this thing up and at what point can I dump it at the highest price possible and let it become somebody else's problem, right? So it's, isn't
1: this still kind of the GameStop thing a little bit? Like everybody just went, ooh, GameStop, and heard about it, and then everybody jumped in the boat, not oh, really looking at the – you clever
0: thing, Katie. You clever thing, you. So <laughs> when you said one of the things is I said what is right and what is normal, and you said, oh, or what is right versus what is trending. Right. Okay, GameStop's that trending story, right? Because what's really going on in a trending environment? It, well, it's an emotional frenzy. Yeah, greed greed and what is the famous
1: quote that you always say about greed
0: uh, you should be fearful when people are greedy and greedy when people are fearful
1: so should people be greedy now because it seems like there's a lot of fear kind of happening right now in the marketplace
0: well that's a way big question
1: it is i I mean and not that i expected direct answer on that one i'm I'm gonna
0: punt on that because the market is not a binary event Like This is one. I'm going to take a line from Jim Cramer. He's another uh, radio and television personality that is all over CNBC and has a show called Mad Money. Now, he's kind of a zany dude, right? But he says there's always a bull market somewhere, and it's his job to help find it. Oh, I like it. I think that's a really fair statement because money's in motion, right? Money doesn't necessarily disappear. It kind of can, believe it or not. Um, I, I used to say, I think wrongly, that money doesn't disappear. It just moves but value can disappear right yes and and it has to do with the strength of the trend and the depth of a market because that's how we price stocks all right it's a funny thing but right if there's only one person willing to pay a million dollars let's say let's say somebody has to buy a share of let's use GameStop as our example has just been bananas and again if you don't know about GameStop what rock uh, have you been living uh, well, under? Well, Google GameStop. The ticker symbol is GME. I, I don't
1: even think you need to go that far. You just have to Google GameStop and you'll if hear you all do, about it.
0: Oh, it's been in the news and it's been shenanigans, right? It's created all kinds of havoc in the marketplace. But this is why it's interesting. It's it's a supply and demand story. And I'm the, the summary is that hedge funds shorted GameStop, right? They sold it by borrowing shares and selling them to the market before they ever owned them right so they have to buy them back to return them to who they borrowed them from right presumably at a price lower than when they borrowed it that's right. how they will profit and somehow it mechanically was materialized that more shares had been shorted than were existing in the marketplace and tradable and once somebody got word of it a bunch of retail investors on a news board called reddit right the bunch of reddit board users Somebody noticed this and started buying the stock, and got a bunch of other people on board too. And they started buying up all of the free shares that existed
1: because somebody has to buy it back right. at some well, point. Well, here's the problem:
0: when people buy, when there's more buyers than sellers, the price goes up. You don't right. believe me? Look at real estate right now. Look at I, I tease. Oh but my gosh! They're try to buy a rental property right now. Guess what? You know, you know what an aged listing is right now? About oh. thirty-eight minutes. Yeah, I mean, like they they hit the tape and they're just. A feeding frenzy. You're Everybody's like, wait, different.
1: I was on a phone call. Crap, I missed that one.
0: Literally, it's that kind of thing. Like same day offers, above asking price. It's just real estate's bananas. So, if that's the case, then you've got a, a bunch of buyers and not enough sellers. You have lots of demand, very low supply. Price goes up. Okay, but and presumably a lot as high as it can. Well, everybody was buying GameStop and there just were no sellers. Hedge funds could not find enough shares to cover their bet. And then it became desperation because they started losing money. And at some point, if the stock price goes up too high, then the company that loaned them the stock says, we cannot bank you. We have regulatory rules about how much reserve requirement we have for the loans that we made because they're acting like a bank right so our lending backup requirements say you need to either put more cash in your account to cover the gap in value or you have to sell or you have to buy this stock back to cover it right we need you to give back the stock because we can't cover this risk for you and there was no stock to buy yeah Oops. And so this, and then the price goes even higher because they're like, well, whatever. Somebody else says, hey, shares are two hundred dollars today, and somebody goes, well, I'll give you three hundred dollars. to give me the shares. I gotta have them.
1: I know. So crazy. and then
0: the price is the price of the stock is the last recorded trade, which is now three hundred. It's now three hundred. Well, if only one person traded shares at three hundred, and not a very big trade at that, it could jump the price huge. Right. Because there's not enough volume in the trade. So and then the next guy goes, work, well, right? that guy got 300, so I'll now, go
1: 400 and then boom.
0: Because remember, you're like any piece of investment that you've got, right? Your house, you know what it's worth? What the highest bidder will pay.
1: Yeah, say so whatever, somebody's willing to pay for
0: it. Right. And so it doesn't matter how many people are will, You know, it turns out for $10, a lot of people will buy your house, Katie. Like the market's ridiculous. Like you give it away for 10 bucks, everybody wants it. Okay. <laughs>
1: Like that one listing that I found, the the, oh, that was the, funny. the funny one. Yeah. yeah,
0: but but you know,
1: probably <laughs> at
0: a hundred thousand, everybody wants your house, right? At two hundred thousand,
1: mm, fewer line's people want that house. Shorter, a lot yeah. of
0: people probably do, but the line gets a lot shorter. At a million, mm, the million, line's really the short. Line, there may not be a <laughs> line anymore because there's just too many other properties that are uh, available instead. But if there was nothing, million might work. True. Right. And so that's the issue. Is it's like, what's the market willing to bear? So think about that in the stock marketplace. And that's how you can get value erased. But now think about what this can do when you've got a market that's on the move in a trend and your emotions start going to work. Okay, because there are really only two things that drive a market. You know what they are? Fear and greed. That was supposed to be the cliffhanger for after the break we're oh, gonna take. I'm just guessing. Yeah, no, she nailed it though. Oh, Fear and hey. greed drive the market. Ding, we'll talk ding, about ding. why <laughs> after this obscene profit break. Stick around, we'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And
1: Katie Shook, who your missed your work. work
0: uh <laughs> news radio twelve
1: forty. KQEN.
0: All right, Katie, no greed. Wait, there's probably a little greed. Greed? Oh, no, no you fear. said greed. Wait, no, there's probably a little fear, I had too. that
1: sticker on my trapper keeper in high school. I liked no fear.
0: No fear? Oh,
1: man. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes, I, come on, it had keepers. the creepy eyes. Oh, oh my
0: gosh. I, uh, that and locomotion. That was uh, back in the day. So
1: too. being from Southern Ocean California. Pacific,
0: yet, that was around.
1: It was... Uh, it was, uh, what was it, sex wax from the, the oh, board geez. waxes and stuff. And so we always used to get, like, all the surfboard stickers. Like, I had Billabong and everything else. But I remember always trying to put that one on my thing because they're like, you can't have that in school. It says sex. And I'm like, it's the name of a wax for a surfboard, man. Yeah. Nice try. I know. Never this worked.
0: This is Katie. She's so rebellious. I know, right? That uh, was my rebel. Ooh, watch out. like, and uh, you didn't want to wear the tall socks either. So...
1: I actually had the opposite problem I was really really tall in junior high I used to get sent to the principal's office almost every day because my shorts were too short and it wasn't that they were too short it's that my legs were too long and I was in a school full of midgets so not really midgets but everybody else was shorter than me and so my poor teacher used to send me to the principal's office I'm shaking my
0: head (laughs) because I'm like I don't. In this woke world we live in, I can you even say that without having somebody. No, and I apologize.
1: That was probably not the correct term. But I was the tallest in my class as a female, and there were a lot of people that were a lot shorter than I was. You know what?
0: Our listeners actually all like everybody's laughing, and the 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 person that was offended by this one, uh, sorry, I didn't mean it in a negative way. You got to get over it. That's how that (laughs) works. So. We're talking about fear <laughs> and greed. There's, Let's get there's, back there's, on track here. Fear here. and greed. All right. And those are the the big motivators, right? Uh, you're either seeking pleasure or you're avoiding pain. And when it comes to investing, things that motivate folks are fear and greed. And I need to talk today about fear, or what I like. Th- I love this acronym. Future events appear real.
1: Oh, that's a good. Where would okay? you get that one?
0: Uh, That was a mentor of mine from Texas back in the day. Actually, a gentleman by the name of Lee Johnson.
1: Oh, you've mentioned him.
0: Yep. Lee is somebody that uh, years ago when we started developing our own artificial intelligence systems, Lee was one of the, the folks involved and... Lee's great because when I say he's a good old boy, I mean like literally Texas Southern draw. Lee's about six foot four, six five. Does he have a handlebar and... mustache? No. I can always just picture him with this no like, clean shaven dude and just, you know, kind of tall, lanky, and um, had just this kind of voice, you know, just Southern draws are like honey. You know, everything's just a little longer and a little stickier. And he's just like, okay, you know, <laughs> and, and he had this way of telling a story that just drew you in. And it was that classic. Uh, southern storytelling kind of twang to it but anyway he used to say that's the you know future events appear real and he would tell the story and he would tell a joke or something about it but that's where I, I heard it from I don't know that it was his but I know that it was great and the concept that future events appear real is something that's so important to understand I have seen a lot of people that are they're acting in fear and here's the one that I see most often. I've, I've had some folks that have contacted uh, me and asked if they think, is the stock market going to crash?
1: I feel like we get that question at least a few times a year. Well, like every year since I've worked for you, it, and that's been over different administrations.
0: Well, yeah, we've been asked, I've been asked about the stock market crash now since probably last August. Right. So. First of all, it was the crash of COVID, and then it's, you know, this can't be a real recovery, and then everything seems to get better. And then it's been, well, what about the election, and then that was going to be a crash. And now it's about, well, there's going to be all these tax changes, and that's going to lead to a crash. Or what about all the money printing, and that's going to lead to a crash.
1: Okay, Chicken Little, the sky is not always falling. Well, here's
0: here's the the larger issue, okay? What you think will happen and what actually happens are not necessarily the same and I also think that there is a lot of misplaced intent, okay? And I'll just say misplaced some things. Misplaced intent? Oh, yeah. Like okay. People that think what is motivating people versus what's actually motivating people, it doesn't really make sense. Now, when I say that there are radicals on either the right or the left, right?
1: I would but, agree. But, There's probably but, so some So there, there are people. radicals, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: But so I'm going to just say, like, but let's talk about radicals. And radicals that are marching in downtown Portland and throwing rocks through windows, okay, and are calling for anarchy or no borders and that, you know, that, that there should be no police. Okay, that is a form of radicalism that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, there are, uh, there are essentially most of the doctrine that they're espousing to is Marxist in nature. Okay. okay. And I'm not going to make this a political debate about the different types of governing systems. Right, Marxism right. is, you know, like an extreme version of <clears throat> communism and so forth. Uh, anyway, uh, 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 then people will say, well, the legislators in Salem are a bunch of Marxists. And what I would say is that I don't I don't know that that's a, wh- a fair truth. That's right? a wide-swinging brush. I would brush. say that there may be elements that have... Uh, you, they feel you know, that I'll, I'll way but... say they, they have sort of a some elements of marxism to them but i don't think that we have a lot of marxists directly in government or in education or something like that per se uh, the same way that i don't think a current president is an intentional marxist i think some of the policies and the things they are doing are bad ideas right but um, here's the one that just kind of makes me chuckle a little bit and we're gonna have some listeners and a few of you this may this may make you mad And I'm okay making you a little mad. I want to make you think, okay? That's what I'm really trying to challenge you for. Somebody that says, you know, Bill Gates is trying to engineer a virus so that he can get everybody vaccinated with a mind control agent because he really wants to take over the entire globe. It's all about power. Oh, now it's mind control? Well, I'm just, I'm taking really <laughs> extreme, I mean, like, I realize a lot of this is hyperbole. I don't know if anybody really believes all this stuff, but like that, that Bill Gates' agenda is all about stripping the United States of his freedom, bringing about a new world order and that, you know, everybody's going to be stripped of their, their homes and everything else and we're all going to become communists and the government's going to control everything.
1: Why would he do that, though? He's the one sitting on the biggest pile of cash.
0: Well, that's kind of my big question, right, is that Bill Gates already has ridiculous power i mean he's like one of the top five richest people in the world he has every possible thing he could want and then people so we just people with power just want more power and i go well s- sort of yes but to what end because if it's a communist regime then he has no ownership either all of his stuff goes into the regime Yeah, which he doesn't want. So he would have to somehow claim control of the government in the process, but now he has to fight with the other super bazillionaires for the same thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see it. And so that's my issue, right? It's like, I think you're giving them too much credit. I think what it is, is oftentimes through a comedy of too many layers of bureaucracy and the inability to get things accomplished, what you get is watered down, super slow and super stupid. Because of a concept that I'm going to throw something under the bus here. Um, Sometimes we go through a concept of shared governance, which is like everybody has to approve it. And I got to tell you, that doesn't happen. Right. Says the guy who's been
1: president of his HOA. HOA,
0: But but look at the vote. Right. People still disagree that the the vote was close enough that people still don't really agree with the outcomes and they're arguing one or the other. And by the way, that happened before Trump was elected, too. Oh yeah. Right? Oh, popular vote versus the electoral college, or the this versus that. Like, uh, there's been dispute over election after election after election because it's not that giant a difference. And when you say, "Well, there's three million people difference," and go, "Yeah, but three million people's like one city in the whole country of 330 some odd million True. people." Could be. So as a percentage, it's a tiny. <laughs> it could percentage, be downtown right? L.A. <laughs> That's it. It's like oh, it could be a few apartments in in L.A. Tough. So feels yeah, like it. So you get the idea that i think where people extrapolate is you get an idea you run with it and then it becomes that well we got to we got to cash out everything and you know i got to run from it because of the calamity and the the doom that is on its way and i go is it rational that that's how it plays out
1: Huh. It's I, rational,
0: right? That's a if you strip the emotion out of it, which is hard to do when you're emotional. It's right? hard. Can you step back from it and say, does it make sense?
1: Yeah, and and I would be careful of confirmation bias, yeah. right? Because you're going to find information that says, "See, I'm right. This is the thing that says I'm right." Right here.
0: Yeah. So instead of that, let's talk about how a professional investor will address it. Oh, I like it. Yeah, but. I will use this as my cliffhanger <laughs> for the last break today. How does a professional investor address emotion? When we come back, stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn and Katie Shook. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Welcome back to the final segment of today's True Wealth Radio Show. This has
1: gone by so fast. I know, I'm a little emotional about it. Oh, Oh. (laughs) boo-hoo. We're talking about
0: emotions and how they impact investing today. We've covered some ground, as we often do, uh, but I want to give you some tips that the pros use when it comes to assessing uh, investments and trying to strip the emotion out. Because guess what? It's hard. We all have it. So what is one of the things that you can do to get the emotion to be less of a judgment clouder, right? So
1: I would think to have like a checklist.
0: Yeah, so rules. Rules. The first thing. So so rules for investors is like you you have some things that it needs to meet some criteria, right? Okay. This is not a ah oh, I had a wild idea and I'm shooting from the hip and guessing. That's not investing. That's gambling. Speculating. (laughs) Right? So investing is, hey, I have a thesis, I believe that this is likely to occur, I think this company is going to be worth more in the future, and therefore I'm going to do this, or this asset is going to be worth more in the future, I often use companies because that's associated with stocks, but it could be real estate, it could be gold, it could be other commodities, so this asset will have a higher value in the future. So that's why people purchase them, right? the anticipation of things going up. What I hear right now that has me concerned is people believing that the world is literally coming to an end or something akin to that, right? I've had folks that have believed that we may be on the the fringe of a total economic and financial collapse.
1: That's a lot. Like, I always yeah. think of systems. Like, how many systems have to break in order to make that yeah. happen?
0: It's the it's the amount of failure. Like, uh, how, how many safety protocols have to be destroyed? Now, do I think that we are on a... Collision course with economic problems? I truly do. Right? I think that long term, right now, the United States needs to figure out, and leadership in the United States and voters also need to have a really hard discussion with themselves about what it means to monetize debt forever. Right? And that just means we're just going to keep borrowing more money to pay the current debt and allow the debt to continue to expand, and we're going to manipulate our currency with the idea that as long as some money is coming in through taxes, we can hide the monetization and the devaluing of our purchases. Okay, We can pass it to other countries that are buying our debt. We can spread it around the globe, and because we're the global reserve currency, we get away with it because we have a printing press. Right.
1: But it gets tricky if we if we don't stay that way.
0: Well, my my larger concern, and I'll be very <laughs> candid with our listeners today, is that I think generational concern here is that, first of all, uh, our culture is very much uh, trending away from taking personal accountability. Blame culture is a real concern for me. If you don't take accountability, you say, hey, it's not my fault. Somebody else caused it and somebody else should fix it. Right. This whole covid thing is it's real. But printing money doesn't really solve it it numbs people and it kicks it down the can the can down the road right so at some point my larger concern is that we bicker with our government and we kick the can down the road and we write terrible policy and we inject money into things using you know slick political mechanisms and the money doesn't exist so we're watering down our currency meanwhile China which is an authoritarian regime is cleaning our clock in lots of ways and I have a very strong concern that down the road the united states loses its position as the global superpower and world reserve currency to china that does not mean that the united states ceases to exist. it doesn't mean that all of your assets are worthless no more than all of the assets in the south that were owned by the confederacy became worthless uh confederate currency did but they were ultimately repatriated in dollars but the dollar may not survive if we continue to monetize it like this. Right. You know, Greece went through a lot of pain when they went oh, through a debt restructuring. So much, and I, I was over there when they were. So lots of pain in, in our lifetime, right? It's been what 15 years or something since then, but I mean, it was pain. And now we're seeing similar issues. Actually, I guess it was more like 2011, 10 years ago. But the the point is that financial bad behavior ultimately has to be paid for. Here's the problem that I see investors doing right now. They are, they're, they don't know how to assign the time frame. Like right, if you think, I was going to say, if, you, say if you knew
1: it it ha- is going to happen a hundred years from now, why are you panicking over it today? Like it, right. it has or so even much more time. Five to, years
0: from now, or whatever it is, I right. mean, certainly be active in making the right changes. But if you're going, if your idea is, I think the dollar is unsafe, so let me sell everything and put it in the bank. Guess what? The bank holds for you your money dollars yeah right so oh let me collect all the stuff that's going to be worthless and i think this is a really rough strategy now i'm not providing investment advice here but i'm going to provide you some insight okay and you guys need to apply this appropriately for your circumstance but what changes value with time and what holds value okay it's not debt right if you make a loan to somebody and then the dollar weakens and you get paid back with weaker dollars than you loaned them you lost purchasing power right okay But if you buy assets and then the dollar weakens, then the asset requires more dollars in the future to buy it. It's just like what's happened with real estate historically and so forth is the supply is fixed, the demand goes up, but there's more dollars in circulation chasing the same supply. So you need to know the fundamentals of investing and you need the rules, you need to follow them, and you need to strip that emotion out in order to stay ahead of this game. Wow. Just like that, the music started. So. I guess we got to wrap on that one. Katie, if folks want more, how do they reach us?
1: 541 375 0898. Check us out, littlejohnfs.com.
0: All right, it'll be podcasted tomorrow. And if you've got other questions you want answered on the air, be sure to send it to us at info at littlejohnfs.com. And until next time, this has been David Littlejohn and Katie Shuck. You've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, be good, everybody. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.